What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the program. It is Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. And today, probably going to give you guys a shorter episode, I think, uh, just based on uh, some teams not being in action. But, you know, we'll see. We'll uh, get through it. Uh, I know I said last week that we would do it uh, likely Thursday, but had a change of plan. So we are doing it today. Uh, definitely we'll do one next week. The day will be to the the day will be to be the day will be determined um, next week. So we'll um, obviously be back with you folks next week. Figure out which day it is. You know, obviously you can pay attention to the uh, Facebook and Twitter pages. I'd like to put out an announcement the day before. Um, so as always, you can follow the uh, Twitter and Facebook pages. You can. Uh, listen on Apple Music. You can listen on Spotify. You can, you know, like it, uh, give us a rating, you know, whatever, whatever you do on uh, either of those sites. Um, but today, as I said, you know, probably will be a little bit shorter, you know, just with the um, NHL shutdown. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so, you know, not really any new Bruins things to talk about. Um, there are a couple things, but you know, not related to them playing games. Um, Obviously, most of today will be spent talking about the Patriots and their uh, loss against the Colts on Saturday. We'll take a look ahead to their matchup with the Bills on uh, Sunday. So I think that's probably where we will start uh, talking about the Patriots. Um, Obviously, went into the game against the Colts on Saturday uh, with a seven-game win streak going into a a tough place to play. You know, I always think that Indianapolis for the Patriots has sometimes been a tough place to go play. You know, either the Patriots have, you know, lost some close games there, whether it was at, you know, Lucas Oil or uh, the RCA Dome. Um, you know, they've had some games that have been pretty close there. So, you know, it was, I just will say, looking at this game from, just kind of considering everything, um, the Patriots had a very bad first half. And I think that that's, you know, pretty obvious to anyone that watched that game. You know, whether you were a Patriots fan, Colts fan, or uh, a casual observer, you know, 17 to nothing is not what is, is not ideal for a team like the Patriots to, you know, have to be coming from behind. Um, and it just was frustrating because, you looked at the way that the Colts were able to, you know, have success in that game. You know, Mac Jones didn't play a good first half at two, you know, pretty ugly interceptions. You had a block punt return for a touchdown. And, you know, those those three plays, you know, really ended up being kind of the story of the game that I think as much as the Colts did, did play well, you know, I thought Taylor was really good. You know, I thought that the Patriots did a decent job on him for the majority of the game. You know, really the only problem was that 67-yard touchdown that he broke late in the game. That kind of was, you know, the nail in the coffin. But up to that point, you know, the Patriots had done, you know, somewhat of a decent job on him. You know, obviously he had been over 100 yards to that point, but I thought that the Patriots did a better job in the second half, especially defensively, and were able to come back. Um, a little bit. But then again, you know, it's 
never a good thing when you have to come from behind from a you know 20 to nothing deficit um and it's just frustrating that the patriots you know could not have gotten off to a better start um you know knowing how important this game was going to be but i will say i think that this game for the colts was more important than it was for the patriots and i also think that you know for the colts their motivation to win this game i think was a little bit higher than the patriots not to say that the patriots weren't motivated but you know, the Patriots had come in one seven in a row, and I think it kind of firmly put themselves in the, you know, driver's seat for the number one AFC seed, you know, to, to that point. Um, but I think the Colts needed this game more than the Patriots did. You know, the Patriots lose this game, and then you had some games that kind of turned out in the Patriots' favor on Sunday, and so the Patriots just moved to the number two seed. So, you know, I think for the for the from the Colts' perspective, they needed this game, um, and they obviously played like it. You now, so I think really the story of this game is the Patriots just made too many mistakes and you know put themselves in a hole that it just was too difficult to get out of. Um, I will say that you know Mac Jones did do a solid job in the second half. You know, he really seemed to you know make the mistakes he made in the first half and kind of learn from them and kind of continue to keep going and had 300 yards and two touchdowns in the second half. So, or had 300 yards for the game, two touchdowns in the second half to Hunter Henry. So, you know, I thought to max credit, I thought that he did a good job sticking with it. And, you know, I think that it's bound to happen that you're going to have some of these games with him. You know, at the end of the day, he is a rookie quarterback, you know, you can say everything you want about, you know, how good he's been, and he has been good this season. But I think, you know, it's going to happen that you're going to have stinkers like this where, you know, he'll make some mistakes. He'll make mistakes that rookie quarterbacks make, and I think that it's okay. You know, as much as I think losing games like this is not really okay, you have to consider that you have a developing young quarterback, and, you know, you had to be okay with the ups and downs this season. You know, granted, it's been more up than down. You know, the Patriots are in the position that they're in partially due to how good Mac has been. You know, not saying that he's the reason why they're in the second seed, but, you know, if Cam Newton was the quarterback here, I don't think this team would be 9-5. and five. Um, So I just think, you know, he played like a rookie for the first half, and, you know... He learned from it. I thought the Patriots, you know, made some adjustments defensively and were able to get back in the game. Um, I think that there were some people that were, you know, frustrated with the Patriots, you know, down 20 to 7, not going for the touchdown. Um, but I think, um, just, I'm just trying to, in my head, where the game was. So it was about nine minutes left. You know, they're down 20 to 7. And my thought process was okay, yes, it is a little conservative to go for a field goal with that, that time of that time remaining. But I will also say the Patriots go for that on fourth down and don't make it. The game's essentially over. Um, and I thought that, you know, despite them going for a field goal, they then get the ball back, score a touchdown, and then, you know, trying to hold the Colts and then, you know, Taylor just breaks off for that 60-yard touchdown and, you know, ends the game. 
but it's just like I think the Patriots didn't handle that poorly. You know, I think that there are still a lot of people that think that, you know, any chance you get, you have to go for it on fourth down. And I just think, could they have gone for it? Sure. You know, would it have made a difference had they scored? Yes, probably. But I just think the risk was way too high with, you know, nine minutes to go. You're down 20 to seven and you, you know, you go for it and don't make it. You're still down by two scores. You know, and I know that, yes, kicking a field goal, it still remained a two-score game, but I thought the Patriots did about as well as they could, you know, down 20 to nothing, coming back as much as they did. So, obviously, it was not the ideal start. It was not the way that you want to start, and, you know, arguably, it was the first half that lost them the game, um, you know, playing so poorly, you know, as Mac Jones threw a couple bad interceptions, you let a block punt happen, which is... I think is the most concerning part of that game. The Patriots have allowed three block punts this season. Um, And I would say that concerns me way more than um, Mac Jones throwing some interceptions or having a bad first half or whatever uh, people want to say. But I think for the first time, or maybe not the first time, the first time in a while, you saw this team made a lot, make a lot of mistakes. And look, the Patriots were not going to win every single game. The rest of the season, they were bound to have a game like this. Um, But I just think the Patriots have to be totally, have to be very careful that this is not a, you know, sign of things to come because you have a huge game on Sunday against Buffalo that, you know, I think if you want the Patriots to, you know, have a chance to go deep in the playoffs, I think you really have to win this game. So, um, it'll be interesting to see, but I think end of the day, just a bad first half. Patriots couldn't do enough uh, to come back. Um, I don't really want to hear anyone saying that, you know, they're not built to come back with Mac as their quarterback because that's simply just not true. I mean, you saw how close they got with him directing them back. They could have very easily come back and won the game or forced it to go to overtime. So, you know, anyone telling you that, they're not built to come back with Mac Jones as their quarterback, I think is just not telling you the truth. Um, so obviously without Damian Harris, it was an issue uh, running the ball. The Patriots typically are a team that when they win, they run the ball very well. They only had 81 yards rushing um, in this game on Saturday. Um, so obviously a couple injuries in this game uh, to Nikhil Harry and Nelson Aguilar, both uh, kind of, hits to the helmet, I guess you could say. Um, It doesn't, it's, I think, hard to get a read whether either one of them will be available for Sunday's game. Um, So I think that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I did did think that Nikhil Harry did have somewhat of a solid game, you know, did have that deep pass where he was able to go down the field, a 43-yard completion um, in the fourth quarter, did have five targets. So I would hope the Patriots can try to get him involved a little bit um, because I still think that he's got a skill set that can be useful. You know, a guy that can go up and get those, you know, jump balls on on deep throws or, you know, throws in the red zone. You know, it would be interesting to see if that changes for him, if they try to use him um, in that regard. Um, I know some thought from a defensive perspective, the Patriots played a very good game. You know, I think minus that big run by Taylor, the Patriots 
played a pretty solid defensive game. You know, I think Wentz was did not look good in this game. The Patriots, I think, were able to come back in this game because of that interception that he threw um, in the second half, which was just really bad. And it was like he was really forcing it. Um, so I think there are, you know, positives you can take from this game what they did defensively in the second half that they were able to, you know, get stops and allow the offense to get back into, get back into a rhythm and get back into the game. So, you know, I think hopefully it's just something that it's just a blip, you know, a bump in the road. Patriots dropped their first road game of the season. So, you know, they're back home. They got the bills um, on Sunday. They got Jacksonville week 17 and then they travel to Miami to close out the season. So, you know, if the Patriots are able to win Sunday's game, all they have to do is win one of their last two, and they win the division. So uh, hopefully the Patriots can get back on track on Sunday. Um, I think looking at this Buffalo game, um, obviously Buffalo is going to come in very, I, I don't know if angry is the right word, but, you know, come in, pumped to prove that, you know, that weather game, that crazy weather game was just a one-off and they can come in and play uh, well in this game. I really think quarterback play is going to be, may possibly be the deciding factor in this game. Um, If the Patriots can, you know, be a, a problem for Josh Allen as they were, you know, two weeks ago, I think they definitely can win this game. I think Mac Jones, obviously, Limiting turnovers is huge. I think you can't lose the turnover battle in a game like this. Um, It will be interesting to see if the Patriots can get some guys back. um, Because at the moment, you know, Harris, Aguilar, and Nikhil Harry, you know, are all questionable at this point. Not sure if they will be able to play. Um, And Kendrick Bourne popped up on the COVID list the other day. But I believe that he is vaccinated, so he does have the potential chance to be able to play on Sunday. But obviously, you know, there's a chance that the Patriots could be down three of their top receivers, you know, and then everything turns to, you know, Jacoby Myers and whether they can bring, you know, guys off the practice squad like Christian Wilkerson and Trey Nixon. Um, That will be interesting to see. But I think hopefully if the Patriots can get Harris back and get one or two of those receivers back, I think that, I feel better about this game. Um, But I really think it's limiting mistakes. And I think if the Patriots can do that, they should be fine and they should be able to win this game. Um, But I'm very curious to see, you know, what Buffalo comes out to try to do in this game. You know, do they try to establish the run? Do they try to go back to Josh Allen? Um, And the Patriots try to, you know, disrupt him, whether that's, you know, showing different coverages, you know, showing sometimes when the Patriots have their linebackers kind of like line up right at the line of scrimmage and then drop back, you know, do you see the Patriots doing stuff like that? Um, I'd be very curious to see what Buffalo tries to do in this game. Um, But I think it's very simple for the Patriots. It's limit mistakes. And I know that that sounds crazy simple that, okay, that's the point of every NFL team playing a game. But I think that, you know, this is a game where you cannot give Buffalo any reason to believe that they can win this game. Um, Because I think 
you know, this is a game that, that means a lot to both of these teams. That I think if, if the Patriots win, you know, essentially it gives them the division. Um, I think if Buffalo wins, it also essentially gives them the division too. So um, expect this to be close. I think that it's going to be another low-scoring game. I think we're going to see like 20-17, to 23-19, something like that. Um, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of points, um, and points are going to be at a premium. So in a game like this, and I know that this is going to upset some people, you kind of have to be conservative, you know, just kicking field goals, because I think in this game, points are going to be at a premium. And I think whenever that's the case, you have to take points whenever, however, however you can get them. Um, and I think that's kind of been the strategy all season, which is fine with me. Because I think, you know, it's just over-aggressiveness, I think, really can be a problem. It was a problem for the Chargers last week. I mean, they quite literally gave away the game against the Chiefs last week. And um, you saw the Ravens go for two at the end of the game. And it's just, I just think that that's not necessarily the way to go. And I think, obviously, it's a coaching decision. You know, you think about the personnel that you have. But I think... With this game in particular, the Patriots cannot be too aggressive and, you know, trying to get touchdowns when you kind of need to settle for points. But, you know, who knows? It may be a higher scoring game. Um, I don't think that there's weather at the moment that would affect this game. It looks like it's going to be sunny in, in the high 30s. So I wouldn't expect another, you know weather game like you had two weeks ago, but um, I think the Patriots have I've, I've come too far to lose a game like this, and I think as much as it was ugly, that loss against the Colts, I think that they can bounce back, and they're really in need of kind of a, a feel-good, another feel-good home, home victory, um, and I think that they have the opportunity to really truly show the rest of the NFL that, you know, they are back and they are, you know, not going away anytime soon. So um, I think this is going to come down to a final possession and Nick Folk field goal, the Patriots getting a pick on the last drive of the game, but I think it's going to come down to a final possession, but I like the Patriots to win this. Um, so I think, you know, I think mentioning the players that may be not available or available for this game, I think, we probably covered all our bases for the Patriots-Bills game. Obviously, 1 o'clock CBS, tune in day after Christmas. You know, hopefully you're not too tired from, uh, you know, Christmas dinner, you know, Christmas the day before, you know, for those those who celebrate, of course. Um, so I think we'll circle back to the NFL um, to take a look at some of the games last night probably take a quick look at those games and then week 16 starts tomorrow. So we'll uh, give you guys uh, updates or give you guys a little previews for each of the games uh, coming up in week 16. So moving on, we're going to talk about the Bruins. I know that there's not a lot of game stuff to break down because the Bruins have not played a game uh, since we last spoke. Uh, the Bruins obviously had two games last over the weekend that were postponed and then had two games this week um, or one game this week that was postponed and then one that is postponed tomorrow. Uh, the Bruins are scheduled to return on Monday the 27th against Pittsburgh at the Garden. 
uh, the NHL has decided to take the uh, winter bre- or take the break early, so there are no games. Uh, Tampa Bay and Vegas was the last game that was played before the break last night. Um, so Bruins back in action Monday the 27th. Hopefully they can get almost everyone back. Brandon Carlo, I believe, was added to the COVID protocol uh, the other day, I think yesterday or two days ago. So he likely won't be available for this game against Pittsburgh. But I think almost everyone should be available to come back. You know, any of the players that were in the protocol. I mean, obviously, Marshawn, Bergeron, um, Trent Frederick, Jeremy Swayman, uh, some of those guys. I'm not sure about Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar, who were two guys that were placed in the protocols. I think it was the day last week where the Bruins ended up postponing um, their games through the break. So, obviously, with the Bruins where they're at at the moment is not, you know, super ideal. You know, I think sitting at, at 14, 10, and 2 with 30 points, uh, the Bruins currently are in, I don't know why it's showing last year's standings, <laughs> but the Bruins positioned where they are right now, you know, is not, I would say it's not horrible You know, I think there are some people making it out to be worse than it is, but I really think it's not the worst possible position. I mean, I know that, you know, 30 points to this point in the season, you know, is not really really where they want to be. Um, But I think, you know, so currently they are three points out of a wild card spot, but they do have five games in hand on Detroit, the team that they're chasing, um, then four on Pittsburgh. So... You know, assuming the Bruins can play this game on the 27th, it's going to be pretty huge if the Bruins can, you know, take points, hopefully take a win out of that. Um, But obviously, you know, you look at some of the teams behind them, Philadelphia and Columbus, just a point behind them each. Uh, But the Bruins, obviously, with games postponed and the few games they played to start the season, have plenty of games in hand, which, you know, just going back to the the breaks they had early in the season. It's just, you know, kind of frustrating that the Bruins now have to, you know, play. It's something like 55 games in 103 days, you know, which is just absurd. I mean, it's more than a game every other day, you know, which is wild. So, you know, it's just how it is. And I think, you know, it's, it's frustrating that the, you know, the league couldn't have scheduled more games early on in the season, so they don't have to go into this, but it is what it is. And I think, you know, no one's going to feel sorry for the Bruins. You know, they have to figure it out themselves. But, you know, I don't think that the position that they're in right now is indicative of the team that they are. Um, I think that, obviously, you've missed key guys in some games. You know, you played a game against the Islanders last week that, you know, perhaps, perhaps you shouldn't have played, um, in the Vegas game, perhaps they shouldn't have played that game either. You know, I don't, I don't know where I really land on that, but I think the Islanders game, they certainly shouldn't have played, um, just considering how many guys they didn't have available in that game. So, um, that is kind of where the Bruins stand in terms of, you know, standings, their next game. But there was some news that came out the other day, uh, or yesterday, Jakob Zaborl, um under is undergoing ACL surgery. Apparently, he had torn his ACL um, a couple weeks ago in a game against Nashville. Um, so just a tough break for him as he'll miss 
the rest of the season. Um, and I really thought that, you know, after getting a call up from Providence, he had been playing really well for the team. So, um, you know, it just it gets more difficult for this team. And that's kind of, I think, been the theme all year that things are just going to be more difficult than they usually are. But, you know, I think that, again, this team does have a great core group that I think is going to get guys motivated and get guys, you know, ready to play. And I think, you know, we'll see about the return of Tuka Rask. I think that that's something that could seriously ignite them. But I really think that they are kind of a good winning streak away from kind of solidifying their playoff chances or solidifying their playoff spot. And that I really think this team is, you know, seven wins in eight games, you know, a point streak of eight games or something like that, that they're just that away from solidifying a playoff spot. So, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with this team, you know, out of the the, the break. Um, so, you know, again, there's not a whole lot to, to talk about with this team. You know, I think... Me personally, I would like a resolution on the Jake DeBrusque thing. Um, and I think, you know, now with Zvoral being injured, I think it underscores even more of a need for another defenseman. So I'll be curious to see what the Bruins decide to do with DeBrusque. You know, do they flip him for a forward or do they try to get some depth on defense, which I think they're going to have to do, you know, anyway, whether it's DeBrusque or whether it's at the trade deadline. Um, because it's it's pretty thin right now. You know, you're going to be going into that Penguins game most likely without Brandon Carlo. And so you're going to have, you know, McAvoy, Forbert, Grizzlick, Clifton, and Mike Riley, and probably John Moore, you know. And I think, obviously, there needs to be more depth um, at the at the NHL level. So be curious to see, you know, what, what goes on with that. I believe that uh, Cam Neely is speaking to the media at the moment. Um, as we're recording, so I don't really have any things that I can, well, I could just see if there's any, any tweets going on, so I might have like kind of a, a live, live look in at Twitter right now, just to see if uh, Cam Neely has anything that is of note. You can certainly follow along with uh, certain people um, on Twitter, uh, Fluta Shinzawa, uh, Logan Mullen, uh, Ty Anderson, you know, any of the Bruins people that I uh, follow, Ian McLaren also. Um, so it sounds like, and we will get to a little bit more of this. Um, so the only thing of note here I'm seeing from Ty Anderson, um, that Neely said that uh, Don Sweeney and Tugarask's agent are not talking contract yet. They want to see him get ramped up. A little bit more so um, and of course as Ian McLaren adds uh, the pause at the moment has been set has set back his ability to practice because the uh, practice practice facility has been closed as well um, so that's kind of curious I think you know obviously that makes sense with the practice facility being closed Tuka doesn't have the, the time to practice they want to see him get ramped up a little bit but I think you know really there's no rush um, but I'll be curious to see, you know, when he does return, you know, what the what the plan is with goaltending. I mean, I think 
it's fairly obvious that Swayman will probably get sent down to AHL Providence, but it's not a, it's not a, I don't think it's a, it's a demotion necessarily. You know, I think it's just the Bruins want to get Tuka as fresh as they can. Um, and hopefully, you know, that's something that maybe can ignite the team a little bit. Um, so those are just some thoughts um, in terms of the NHL shutting things down. Um, and Neely also said that uh, they are looking at six to eight possible dates um, in February um, in terms of the Olympic break. And that's something we'll talk about right now. Um, the NHL obviously pulling out of the Winter Olympics in February, I think due to the rising uh, cases, uh, COVID cases in the United States and I think worldwide. So um, obviously it's it's really unfortunate, um, but I think it does give NHL teams the opportunity to uh, schedule some postponed games um, in that time. Um, obviously there's things scheduled at, at, at uh, different arenas, um, but I think they can get some of those postponed games and the Bruins, you know, at the moment for postponed games. So I think, you know, it's looking at the, the dates that TD garden are avail is available. Um, and it seems like they've identified some days. So it seems like the Bruins, you know, will be able to make those games up, you know, during the season, which I think is, you know, better than loading them on at the end of the regular season. So, um, and that probably will be the case for most teams. Um, as 50 games, I believe, have been postponed. So, you know, pretty much affecting every team in the league. So it'll be curious to see, you know, how many teams can fit games in during those time periods. Um, because obviously there are some arenas like TD Garden that are used for, you know, other sporting events, you know, like the Celtics or the Beanpot, for example. Um, so I think, you know, obviously it's disappointing, but I think it's, has to be done with safety in mind. And I think that that's kind of what's going on. You know, I think as the, the report is, you know, if a player tests, tests positive um, in China, you know, they have to stay there for, for a couple of weeks. And that's, you know, obviously not something that I think anyone would want to deal with, you know, much less a, an NHL player or, you know, any athlete. And I don't know if it's the same for every athlete. I mean, it probably would be, but you know, it's just disappointing, I think, for, for us as fans and, you know, some of the players that, you know, have not gotten an opportunity to play in the Olympics. And, you know, this may have been their last opportunity to play. Um, I mean, I think everyone that has gotten an opportunity, not that, like, no one's had an opportunity, but I think you're talking about some of the young players in the, in the game right now that I think we're looking forward to playing in the Olympics and guys that, you know, probably this was going to be their last chance. You know, I think thinking about a player like Bergeron, for example, you know, I think that this was going to be his last chance to play. Uh, you know, Marshawn, it might also be a last chance for him too. So, um, you know, it's just disappointing, but I think it obviously had to be done in, in, in regards to, you know, keeping everyone safe. Um, so I think, you know, it's unfortunate that that has to happen. Because, you know, me personally, I was really looking forward to it, uh, to seeing some of the guys, you know, get an opportunity. And, you know, mainly the Bruins guys, you know, looking at a guy like Pasternak or a guy like Charlie McAvoy, you know, to get an opportunity on the world stage to, you know, be a big time player. So, you know, I think the Olympics will have to wait for some of these guys. Um, but it's just, you know, it's unfortunate 
you know, not to say that there won't be hockey at the Olympics. There will certainly be uh, women's hockey. So if you uh, are interested in checking that out, please do. Because Team USA and Canada, they always play and the games are always good. Um, and it's also, you know, an opportunity to um, get some exposure for, for the women's game, which I think it can, it's it's only a good thing if, if the women's game gets more um, exposure. So if you are not, you know, if you're bummed out about the NHL, definitely, I think, tune into uh, the women's games because it's some really exciting stuff. So I think that probably does it for the Bruins. And for hockey, you know, probably won't have anything new to report next week either. Um, but the Bruins will come off the pause. At the moment, they will come off the pause on Monday the 27th when they host the Penguins at the Garden. So I think, actually, let's take a quick look at the schedule just to get this over with. Um, you know, it might make more sense to do next week. I think that's what we're going to do. So uh, Pittsburgh, though, Monday the 27th, and then they're in Ottawa on Wednesday the 29th. So that is probably it for the Bruins. We're going to go to the Celtics. Um and it's kind of, uh, unfortunately, a little more of the same with this team. Um, I will say, though, that I think since the West Coast road trip, you know, some of the effort and intensity has been better, um, I will say. You know, I think that some of these games have had their moments, but you look at the Warriors and Bucks games, and I think those are games that you can take a lot out of and say, okay, this team, you know, played hard and, you know, it was not... Neither of those games were a matter of, you know, a team not bringing effort. You know, they played great against the Bucks, got the win, you know, lost against the Warriors. But I think there was some progress, I think, in both of those games. Um, you know, obviously the Celtics right now have a lot of players that are out due to health and safety protocols. Um, and that's been the case for the last two games, the win against the Knicks, um, then a loss against the Sixers. The Celtics were so thin in terms of their bigs that, you know, Ennis Cantor had to play about 40 minutes of that game, which I'll be honest, I don't know if he's ever played 40 minutes in an NBA game in his career. Um, so, you know, it was frustrating. The Celtics seemed to kind of be in control in that Sixers game and kind of let it slip away. Um, but I think, you know, going back to those two previous games, it seemed like the effort's a little bit better. And I know that it's, you know, I, I hate to have to say things like that because it's like that should be something that just is automatic. That's not anything that needs to be, oh, you know, the the energy and the effort is better. And it's like it should be pretty consistent. So, you know, it's just, again, you know, it's so funny because I feel like both the Celtics and the Bruins are in a spot where if they could just roll off a win streak you would feel so much better about them. And it just seems like both teams are have, you know, have issues come up where they don't play well or players aren't available. And, you know, you end up feeling like, damn, you know, you wish that they could string some wins together because, you know, you look at the standings in the NBA. I mean, the Celtics are a winning streak away from being a team that could easily be a top four team in the NBA. But on the other hand, or top four team in the Eastern Conference, I should say. Um, but on the other hand, you know, if they go on a losing streak, you know, they dip further into the Eastern Conference 
you know, no man's land, essentially. So, you know, I think that there have been some good things. You know, I thought Aaron Neesmith played, has played with some good energy the last couple of games. Um, Peyton Pritchard as well. Um, but with the Celtics being so short-handed, uh, they've had to go to some uh, hardship exceptions uh, to bring in some guys that uh, are uh, either marginal NBA players or guys that haven't played in a year or two. Um, and uh, this was news about 30 minutes ago. Uh, the Celtics have signed Joe Johnson to a 10-day NBA, a 10-day contract. Joe Johnson, obviously, you'll remember from um, his time with the Hawks and the Nets, a.k.a. ISO Joe. So uh, Joe Johnson actually originally was drafted by the Celtics in 2001, I believe, and then was traded. So he's back, but it's a 10-day contract. So to me, that just tell, it, it tells me that the Celtics just need bodies, and they're like, okay, we're just going to sign someone off the street, basically someone off the street, I mean, literally. Um, they signed C.J. Miles to a hardship exception, a couple of days ago, C.J. Miles played primarily in Utah and Indiana. He did not play last season. Um, 37 years old, he is back in the NBA. Justin Jackson also signed a hardship exception from the G League. You may remember him in his college days playing for the playing for North Carolina. He also played in the NBA primarily for. Uh, Sacramento Kings so he is on the Celtics roster and I think you know you think about some of the guys that are in health and safety you know Grant Williams uh, Al Horford Josh Richardson um, you know kind of the main rotation players and then the Celtics are also thin you know Juancho Hernan Gomez is not available Sam Hauser uh, not available as both of them are in the uh, protocols you know, Rob Williams missed the game with personal reasons against the Sixers, so the Celtics were spread very thin in that game. So um, it looks like it's going to be more of the same tonight, you know, with most of those guys that I mentioned not being available. But you got Jalen Brown, you got Jason Tatum. You know, I think that that should be enough um, against the Cavaliers team that's going to be uh, very shorthanded. But, you know, Celtics can't take them lightly. Um, they certainly, it seemed like they did the last time. Last One of the last times they played the Cavs, uh, Darius Garland obviously will be playing. He's been a really good player for Cleveland this season. So uh, hopefully the Celtics get off to a good start tonight, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I don't think that this Joe Johnson thing is anything other than the Celtics just need NBA bet, like NBA bodies. And I really I don't think that this is indicative of, you know, not trusting young players. I don't think that that's what's going on here. I mean, I would hope it's not um, because I think Peyton Pritchard's been playing better in the last couple of games with obviously more of a expanded role. Aaron Neesmith, I think, has played with great energy, and I think that's always something that the Celtics need on the floor. Um, not that they need to be on the floor for, for 35 minutes, but I think with bursts of energy every so often, it's really... It's, it's huge for the Celtics because I think sometimes they're a team that gets stuck in playing iso ball and, you know, standing around. And it's just wild to me that it's almost like, you know, this team and this coaching staff, they know that they are a better team when they're moving the ball and playing with pace. 
are playing with a with a, a faster pace, you know. And too often you have guys walking the ball up and just standing around. And you know that's the part of me that thinks that trading Dennis Schroeder is is actually a good idea because I think he's like one of the culprits of that. I know that he has moments where he's able to get to the basket and good things happen. You know that he's able to get to the basket for layups and things like that. But I just feel like recently. He's far too much falling into the jump shot trap or just kind of standing around. And, you know, the the whole team needs to do a better job of moving without the basketball and, you know, making, creating easy baskets for each other. Um, so, you know, I think that maybe there is progress, but it's hard to know with this team um, because it seems like, you know, they get some good games and then have some bad games and have some stinkers. Um so I think, you know, looking at the Eastern Conference standings, where the Celtics stand, you know, they're currently in the ninth spot, you know, in that play-in round. But, you know, as I said, you look at the the games behind the Celtics, six and a half out of first, not saying that they're going to be in first place, but you look at the Cleveland, the Cavaliers team the Celtics are playing tonight, they are two and a half games out of first place. The Celtics, just four games behind Cleveland. So, you know, that's, again, tells me that, you know, if the Celtics can go on a winning streak, they can get right up in there. You know, the Cavaliers, for example, have won 8 of 10. They've won 6 in a row, and they're in the third spot in the Eastern Conference. And I really think that the East has been pretty volatile this year. I think with the exception of Brooklyn, um, they've kind of been the team that's been the best. Obviously, they are very depleted um, in terms of their roster at the moment, but it really seems like no team is taking the East by the horns, that it's just kind of up for grabs. Not saying the Celtics can, you know, grab the Eastern Conference. That's not what I'm saying. But you string together four or five wins in a row, there's no reason to think that the Celtics couldn't be a four seed or a five seed or even a three seed. Um, it just, the the effort needs to be there every night. And it's just like, doesn't seem like that's what's happening. Um be curious to see how they come out tonight. You know, this is a game where Cleveland's depleted, but the Celtics really can't afford to overlook them. Um, so you just want to see continued ball movement. You know, I think that Joe Johnson is expected to play tonight, but again, I don't think that this is a, you know, he's going to be around and sign an NBA contract. I mean, he signs a 10-day contract. I think it's kind of apparent to me that it's, okay, you just need bodies because you have so many guys that are that are out right now and you're signing guys, you know, off the G League scrap heap and things like that. So, you know, I'd be curious to see how much Joe has because he's not played in the NBA since 2018. So, uh, you know, 40 years old, you know, be curious to see how much he's got. Um, so that will definitely be something to watch tonight as the Celtics take on the Cavs, who are 19 and 12 at the moment. So I think obviously the NBA has had their their fair share of uh, virus issues, as you know many teams are signing the hardship exceptions to um, different players. Our teams are signing players to hardship exceptions because of so many guys being out. Um, and then you know obviously there are games that are being postponed or called off because teams don't have enough players. Um, I think at the moment, you know, the league doesn't feel the need to, to pause the season. 
um, you know, I don't know. You take take that for what what take that for what you will. Um, you know, I think the the NHL has kind of done the right thing. And I don't know. You know, I don't know what the exact numbers are. I don't know if there are way more NHL players that have tested positive. You know, I think at the at one point it was ten to fifteen percent of the entire league. I don't know if the NBA has gotten to that point. They may have. Well, I don't know if it's that many because the rosters aren't as big in the NBA. Um, I think there is a possibility some Christmas Day games in the NBA could get uh, could get shifted. That sometimes might get shifted. Uh, but the Celtics in action tonight against the Cavaliers, seven thirty at the Garden. I think probably does it for um, talking about the local teams. NBA, you know, I think now we can kind of go to some other other topics. Um, you know, no. No new news with with baseball. You know, I'm not expecting that that gets changed anytime soon. I mean, I think it was last week um, I had heard that, uh, you know, there's not expected to be any talks until after the new year. So, you know, not really too much to talk about with the Red Sox or with baseball. Um, The New York Mets did hire a new manager um, last week. Buck Showalter obviously has had stops in New York, Texas. And Baltimore, um, the Mets are bringing him in. That really was kind of the only major bit of news in Major League Baseball. Um, I know my buddy Eric Bellier is pretty happy with that. Um, you know, Showalter's kind of been around a 500 manager his whole career. So, you know, I don't know. You know, I think it's... I think that for me, personally, I don't think I have a big reaction to that, whether, you know, good or bad. Um, because I think it's going to come down to, um, it's going to come down to the play on the field, um, and the offense and whether they can score runs. You know, I think I said that when they signed, uh, Scherzer, which I think, you know, obviously DeGrom and Scherzer gives you probably the best one, two punch in major league baseball, but it doesn't matter if you're not scoring enough runs. And I think that's what it's going to come down to with that team, um, you know, I think be curious to see, you know, when this, when the talks happen, the lockout stops, you know, I think that there's a lot of time that it can get fixed, but, you know, obviously we will see. So um, I think moving on, I think we'll do talking about the NFL week 16. We'll take a look at the standings. I think actually probably should do that first since uh, week 15 just wrapped up last night with a couple games. Uh, the... There were two, so three games got pushed last week. Obviously, Cleveland and Vegas was supposed to be the Saturday afternoon game, but that game got pushed to Monday after or Monday evening. Um, so Vegas was able to beat Cleveland sixteen to fourteen on a last-second field goal by Daniel Carlson. It was a huge loss for Cleveland, kind of a big win for Vegas, um, and then the Rams and Seahawks and Eagles and Washington, both of those games were moved to last night because of virus issues. So Vegas, or uh, the Rams were able to beat the Seahawks 20-10, to and Philadelphia able to beat Washington 27-17. to So taking a look at the playoff standings as it stands at the moment, uh, because of Kansas City's win and the Patriots' loss this weekend, the Patriots are now in the second spot in the AFC 
uh, followed by Tennessee and Cincinnati in terms of the division leaders at the moment. Patriots obviously with the advantage over ten- Tennessee because of the uh, head-to-head win. So the division winners, Kansas City, New England, Tennessee, and Cincinnati at the moment. And then the wild card teams are Indianapolis, uh, the Chargers, and then Buffalo. And then you have Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Vegas, Miami, Cleveland, and Denver all on the outside looking in. Um, as you know, all these teams are close. So I think that's going to be very interesting to see. I mean, I think this season, obviously, with the added um, that with the extra playoff spot that was added, you know, that the playoff chases are going to become a lot more interesting. Um, so in the NFC, Green Bay has actually clinched their division at the moment. They've not clinched the number one seed. They are the current number one seed. And then you have four teams that are all tied at 10 and 4. Um, Dallas is the second seed. Tampa Bay is third. And then Arizona is fourth in terms of the division leaders. Um, Arizona suffered another tough loss or another bad loss or another loss to uh, Detroit over the weekend, which was shocking. Detroit winning their second game of the season. So Arizona drops back to fourth place. So division leaders, Green Bay, Dallas, Tampa Bay, and Arizona in that order. And then the wildcard teams are the Rams, the 49ers, and the Vikings with Philadelphia and the Saints uh, right there at 7-7. Seven and seven. And then Washington and Atlanta are at 6-8 and eight as there's a game back. Um, so games this weekend will be huge, uh, starting off with tomorrow night, Thursday night football. Yes, there is Thursday night football this week. They will keep doing it probably till the end of the season, but you have San Francisco and Tennessee, a massive game uh, for both of these teams. And I think it's definitely worth watching. If you're a Patriots fan, uh, Tennessee dropped a road game to Pittsburgh over the weekend, which helped the Patriots maintain uh, one of the top two seeds in the AFC. So if you're a Patriots fan, I think definitely it's worth rooting for San Francisco tomorrow as they take on the Titans in Nashville. So big game for both of these teams. Um, Tennessee has really not looked the same ever since they lost Eric Henry. You know, still they are capable in terms of what they can do. You know, in the run game, you know, I think they are have good enough backups with uh, Foreman and Hilliard. Obviously, they're not Derrick Henry. I'm not saying that. But, you know, I think they're still capable of being a good offensive team. But I got to tell you, I think the way that they've been playing has not really been anything that I'm confident in. San Francisco, I think, has been getting better. Um, I do like them to win, but I think this will be a close game. Um, then you got you got two games on Christmas. I did not realize that there were going to be games on Christmas this year um, in the NFL. Cleveland travels to Green Bay. I think Green Bay wins this game. I think Cleveland, uh, you know, unfortunately they were ravaged with COVID issues. Uh, Baker Mayfield did not play in their last game against Vegas. Uh, Almost came up with a win. That was a really tough way to lose for Cleveland, but it does not get any easier with them. So, I think Green Bay wins, and I think they win rather easily. And I think this loss probably puts Cleveland out of the postseason for good. Um, Indianapolis and Arizona, I'm very fascinated to see this game. 
This is a Saturday night game in Glendale, Arizona on Christmas night. You have Indy obviously coming off the big win against the Patriots. Cardinals coming off a bad loss to Detroit. So I think Arizona is going to be motivated. I think they win because I think the Colts have an emotional letdown in this game. You know, it's been fun following the Colts on hard knocks. If you've been paying attention or if you have, If you have HBO Max and you've been watching the series, um, they've been a fun team to follow. But I think coming off such a big win against the Patriots, there's a possibility for a big letdown. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think Arizona gets back on track with a win against the Colts, uh, Detroit, and Atlanta moving into the early Sunday games. Uh, Detroit's kind of riding a high after their win against Arizona. Seems like... They've actually been playing better football in the last couple weeks, so I think uh, they continue it. I think they beat Atlanta um, in this game. In Atlanta, I think they get their third win of the season. Uh, Baltimore-Cincinnati, this is going to be a massive game. Um, I think this is going to be, obviously, for the division lead, uh, both teams at 8-6, and tied for first in the AFC North, so I think this is a huge game. Uh, Baltimore really needs a good offensive performance in this game. They did have a really good one against Green Bay. So I think that is at least encouraging, and they were able to do it with Tyler Huntley, um, their backup quarterback. So I like what Cincinnati was able to do on the road against uh, Denver last week, uh, but I think Baltimore wins. I Hard to know whether Lamar Jackson will be available, but I think either way they're going to win um, and take a big road win. Um, in Cincinnati Uh, the Rams against Minnesota at one o'clock really like what Minnesota was able to do on the road against Chicago um, on Monday night but I think the Rams are catching their stride again so I think they win on the road obviously we talked about the Patriots and the Bills uh, so move to Jacksonville and the Jets the Jets three and eleven the Jags two and twelve um, I think the Jags are in need of a win, so I think they get the win on the road. Uh, the Jets played a pretty good a pretty good game against the Dolphins. Dolphins were able to come back, um, so credit to them, but I think Jacksonville wins this game. Uh, the Giants against the Eagles. The Eagles playing on a, a bit of a short week as they played last night, but I think they continue to play some good football. I think they win against the Giants, Tampa Bay and Carolina. Tampa Bay coming off a shocking loss against uh, the Saints. Obviously, Tampa Bay looked out of sorts offensively, but they came out of the game uh, very injured with uh, Chris Godwin going down for the year with an ACL injury, and Leonard Fournette also came out of that game hurt, so unclear whether he will play um, but I think Tampa Bay is going to be angry and I think they're going to come in and win um, against Carolina fairly easily Um, the Chargers and the Texans Texans winning their third game of the season last week Uh, Chargers obviously coming off the overtime loss to the Chiefs I think they're going to be they're going to try to prove that that game was a fluke I think that they win rather easily against Houston. 
um, in the late window on Sunday, Chicago and Seattle. Um, I like Seattle in that game. I know that they are going to be playing on a short week, but um, I like them to win Pittsburgh and Kansas City. You know, I think, you know, it's it's so hard picking these games with the Steelers because you kind of never know what team you're going to get. I mean, I think to their credit, they played very good defensively um, in that win against Tennessee. But, I mean, Kansas City, just the way that they're playing offensively, it just Pittsburgh may be able to slow them down a little bit, but I don't have any confidence that Pittsburgh's going to be able to score enough points to be in this game. So I like Kansas City to win. Um, I think Pittsburgh, what what they can do offensively is going to make the difference in this game. Uh, Denver traveling to Vegas, that's a big game for uh, both of those teams trying to maintain their slim playoff hopes. I like Denver on the road. Washington and Dallas will play Sunday night. I think I like Dallas there. Uh, Miami and New Orleans, I think the Dolphins get over 500. Uh, which is wild to say, but uh, they've won six straight. They got a chance to go for seven in a row with the Monday night football game against the Saints. So I think that probably will do it for for NFL. I think we'll jump to some bowl games. We'll do a little college basketball, and then we'll uh, call it a day. So I think I'll look ahead to some games in the near future or the next week or so. Um, I haven't decided whether I'll do a podcast next Wednesday or next Thursday. It kind of depends. We'll see on that. But uh, Missouri and Army play in the Armed Forces Bowl tonight at 8 o'clock in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, Take a look at some of the games coming up. I think I'll just point out some of the games that might be interesting. Um, Boston College plays East Carolina in the Military Bowl um, in Annapolis, Maryland on Monday the 27th. Um, and then you have a good amount of games on Tuesday the 28th. That's when you start seeing the the kind of the, the, the better teams playing. Uh, UCLA and NC State will play on Tuesday the 28th in the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Um, NC State 18th in the country against UCLA. And then next Wednesday you have the Fenway Bowl, uh, SMU against Virginia. That game is at 11 o'clock on ESPN. Um, I think Clemson, Iowa State might be a solid game. That's the Cheez-It Bowl at 5.45 on Wednesday the 29th. Um, And then you get your first big game, I think. Uh, 14th-ranked Oregon, 16th-ranked Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl at 9.15 also on Wednesday the 29th. I'll take a look at the Thursday games. Um, I think that Wednesday or Thursday I'll be recording. So I think we'll probably get an in-depth preview of the college football playoff next week. Uh, but here are some games on Tuesday, on Thursday the 30th. Um, North Carolina and South Carolina in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. 12th-ranked Pittsburgh against 10th-ranked Michigan State in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. I would be very excited to watch this game, but I do think that uh, Kenny Pickett is not going to play in this game um, as he gets ready for the NFL. So that takes a little bit of wind out of the sails of that game, but... I still think it'll be a worthy game. That's a chick. That's the Chick Fil A Peach, Peach Chick Fil A Peach Bowl um, in Atlanta on Thursday at seven o'clock. So I think quickly we'll just get to some college basketball. I'll give you guys an update on where things stand in the top twenty-five after this week. 
have been uh, COVID obviously has affected some games um, in recent days. So we'll take a look at the AP poll. Defending champ uh, Baylor is back on top. They are at number one. Lost a number of key players last year, but clearly they are still playing at a high level. So they are number one. Duke is number two, followed by Purdue, Gonzaga, and UCLA in the top five. Um, some teams that had drops. Alabama dropped four spots from six to ten. Uh, Villanova dropped pretty dramatically from nine to twenty-three. Um, in terms of local teams, uh, Providence is currently twenty-second. So they jumped into the they jumped into the poll this week. Um, Xavier is up four spots from twenty-two to 18 and I think that's really kind of the major jumps that we saw this week uh, some teams just on the outside of the top 25 Oklahoma West Virginia and Yukon all three of those teams receiving more than 50 votes uh, Yukon dropped from the rankings after their loss to Providence over the weekend and Arkansas dropped from 24 to out of the top 25 so that's how things look for college basketball I think you know, conference games, you know, kind of starting now. So that will be something to keep an eye on if you're a college basketball person and you want to keep tabs on some teams that may be in the tournament. I think, you know, choosing the tournament teams is always a crapshoot, I think, in certain certain respects. But um, it is always fun to kind of follow certain teams. You know, if you have a team that you like to follow or a school that you went to, um, it's always fun to follow that. So, that probably does it for, for, for me this week. Um, as always, you can follow the Facebook page and the Twitter page. You can listen on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. I want to wish a Merry Christmas to everyone who celebrates um, and a Happy Holidays to, to everyone. And we'll uh, be back with you next week, just before the new year. All right, everyone. Have a great week.